Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Bibles, open them up, please, to the Gospel of John. Now, I'm starting a brand new series this morning titled The Portraits of Jesus. And today we're going to be looking in John chapter 5 in verses 1 down through verse number 9. What I want to do for every Sunday in the month of March, I want to look in John's photo gallery. Guys, do you realize there's some beautiful pictures of our Lord that John has penned for us? In the Gospel of John, do you guys, do you realize that the Gospel of John really stands on its own compared to the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are called the synoptic Gospels, which means they're very much the same. There's a a lot of parallel passages in all of those, but John's Gospel is different. And, And you may say, well, what's the difference? Here's one of the things that's different about the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote really to share with us the historical effects and impact uh, on Jesus and, and who he was as a historical figure. John is not necessarily looking at it and writing from the perspective of giving a historical account or record of Jesus. He has an entirely different purpose in writing. And his purpose is to show that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, that if you believe in him and put your faith in him, you can be saved and be born again. It's the gospel of salvation. Now, you can be saved in all of them, but the intent of John writing is to introduce to you the person of Jesus Christ so that you will trust him as your Savior and become a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do for the next several, all the way even to Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, I'm going to close out this series, and and I've already got that sermon almost ready. But we're going to be going each week all the way through the Gospel of John, and we're going to be taking some snapshots and trying to get a good portrait or a good image of who Jesus is. So, So it's just going to be about Jesus every single Sunday from here all the way in to the crucifixion, all the way into Easter Sunday, and then we're going to launch into our small group study called Grace, and hopefully we see a lot of folks come to the Lord as a result of this series, and hopefully you are equipped that, so that you can take the gospel out and share it with those that do not know Christ as their Savior. So that's my intent. So today I want to look at the gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, and I want to get a snapshot, just a, a portrait, if we will, of about nine verses in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, and here I want you to see Jesus as the great physician, Okay? Jesus as the great physician. Look, if you will, in John chapter 5 and verse 1. And the Bible says, After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Guys, stop right there. Have you ever wondered why any time in the Bible when it mentions Jerusalem and somebody traveling to Jerusalem, why it says they went up? 
Because you literally had to go up to the city of Jerusalem that sat on a hillside. Okay, so they went up. They're walking up to the city of Jerusalem for this great festival. Now, I want you to think about a festival, okay? you got to get this picture in your mind of what's taking place here when Jesus is walking by this pool of Bethesda here in just a moment. There's a massive crowd, okay? It's in the city of Jerusalem, just outside the temple. Okay, by the sheep gate, there's the pool of Bethesda, massive multitude of people. How many's ever been to a big street festival or, or a town day and man, it's just shoulder to shoulder and you're knocking yourself through the crowd. That's kind of how it was on this day. Okay, sometimes when we read the Bible, we just don't think of it in that way. We kind of think Jesus walking, sees this guy, does his business, goes. But I want you to understand there's a whole lot of stuff going on right here. Okay, that's the picture I want you to see. And after this, Jesus or a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, which, by the way, is just right outside the temple. I want you to get a picture of that. There is a pool called Bethesda in Hebrew, which has five colonnades. And within these, get this now, a large number of the sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed, are waiting for the moving of the water. So it tells us in verse number 3 that now around the pool of Bethesda, there's laying around the pool this large number of handicapped, sick, disabled people that are lying around there waiting for the angel to come and move the water so they can get in there and be healed. So I want you to understand, there's a huge festival taking place. Now guess, guess who's not a part of the festival? Well, he, yeah, he's going, listen, Jesus loved to party as much as anybody, right? Within the right context, you understand what I'm saying. And he loved the fellowship. He loved to have a good time. He enjoyed a gathering. So he was there for the festival. But guess who was not part of the festival? These that are sick. Okay, multitudes of them, large crowds laying around the pool of Bethesda. They're just wanting to get healed, okay? Now, that, the festival is what drew Jesus there, and then we see them around this pool waiting for the moving of the water. Because, it says in verse 4, an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water. And then the first one who got in, got in after the water was stirred up recovered from whatever ailment he had. Let me ask you a question. Who got the privilege of recovering from whatever ailment they had? Who was it? The first one. Everybody say the first one. Look to your neighbor and say, it was the first one. Look to your neighbor and say, it was first come, first serve. I mean, that's really what was taking place, okay? Now, you got all these folks around you. They're sick. They're handicapped. They're disabled. The angel didn't move the water all day long, so it wasn't like they just wait in line and jump in, okay? They had to wait for the moving of the water from the angel of God, and then this miraculous miracle took place when they would get in the water. But don't you know, think about this, if you will, Think about if, if you see, if, if you can imagine this, man, you, you got to read the Bible thinking about these pictures and, and letting it come alive. I want you to think about the, these disabled, these sick, handicapped, those possibly that have never walked, they've crawled their way around, whatever it is, they see the water moving. Do you think there was an uprising among those that were sick laying around the pool of Bethesda? Yeah. What were they trying to do? Do you think they said, you know what, I've been laying here a long time, and maybe, why don't you go before me? Do you think there was anything like that? No. 
You know what they were doing, man? They were, they were elbowing, they were pulling, they were dragging, they were doing everything they could to get to the water. Why is that? First come, first serve, right? Whoever got there first got their healing. Get that picture in your mind. The first one who got in after water was stirred up, recovered from whatever ailment he had. In verse number 5, one man was there who had been sick for how long? 38 years. How long had he been sick? Do you realize that he had been sick longer than Jesus had been on the earth at this time? That he had been laying by the pool of Bethesda and been sick for 38 years. He had been laying there. Now that's a long time. We have anybody in here that's 38 years old. I mean, just dead on spot on 30. <laughs> Dan, don't even, don't even raise your hand, Dan. <laughs> there may be some ladies in here, and I know you probably won't raise your hand, but that's okay. But 38 years is a long time, right? <laughs> Dan. <laughs> 38, 38 years he'd been laying there, sick, waiting for the moving longer than Jesus had been walking on the earth. Do you realize that Jesus, once he was born, now Jesus has always existed. Matter of fact, he was part of creation, involved in the Trinity. When God the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit created the whole world. So I, I'm not saying that, that he, he was disabled and sick for 38 years longer than Jesus ever existed. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying longer than Jesus walked on this earth. And, and Scripture teaches us that Jesus was only on the earth about 33, 33 and a half years or so. So he was laying sick for 38 years longer than Jesus was even on the earth. Verse number 6. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Sir, he replies in verse 7, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. And instantly, the man got well and picked up his mat and started to walk. I think it's interesting you go on down through there and you see some of the religious leaders of the day were upset that this took place on the Sabbath. I'm like, really? Are you kidding me? And they said, they replied, you know, they're, they're looking for him. If you go on down and look, uh, they're, they're asking him in verse number 10, you know, who, told, who did this to you? Who told you to pick up your mat and walk? In verse 11, he replied, the man who made me well told me to pick up your mat and walk. Verse 12, who is the man that told you to pick up your mat and walk? They asked, but the man, get this, the man who was cured did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away in the what? In the crowd. It's a large number of people. And Jesus is walking through. This man didn't even know who Jesus was. And Jesus touched him and healed him. Matter of fact, he gave him a command. The man listened and obeyed and by faith got up. And there's a whole story there. I'll get there in just a moment. And then he walks away. But did Jesus stay going from this man forever? Nuh-uh. I want you to pay attention to what he says in verse, or what the scripture says in verse 14. After this, Jesus found him in the temple complex. I want you to notice now, it's not like this guy's just walking through the temple complex by himself. Hundreds, thousands of people are there. They're all out in the colonnade. 
And this man now is walking around in the crowd. What an experience that had to be for him. I mean, he had never walked, let alone walk in a crowd, right? We know it's difficult to walk in a crowd, is it not? But I want you to look what happened. Jesus found him in the temple complex and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. And the man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. I want to focus primarily in verses 1 down through verse number 9. And I want us to get a snapshot. Uh, That's all I'm going to give you is a snapshot. Just a portrait of Jesus as the great physician. And here you see this miraculous story that's unfolding for us that John has penned for us so that we will see that Jesus is the Son of God doing miraculous things so that we will trust in Him and sin no more as He told this man and follow Jesus the rest of our days and He'd be our Lord and our Savior. So there's three things I want you to see in this passage of Scripture. The first thing I want us to look at and kind of camp out and lean into for a moment is the sick man. Let's look at this sick man real briefly, and I won't, I won't camp out here too long, but a few things that I want you to see about him. And I've already mentioned, first of all, that he is a disabled man. It should pop up on the screen for you. This sick man is a disabled man. I've already kind of alluded to the fact that he's been laying there for 38 years. He's been there. The Bible says in verse number 5 that one man there who had been sick, that word sick just simply means that he was, he was frail, he was weak, he was possibly disabled, whatever it was. But he, he had a difficult time moving and getting to the pool whenever it was stirred by the angel. This was a disabled man. May I try to make some parallels as we go through this? I think if I didn't, it would all be in vain what I'm going to tell you. The parallel is we're in the same condition as the sick man. Okay? Spiritually speaking. We are lame. We are weak. We are in need of a physician. We are in need of someone touching us and healing us spiritually. And the church says, amen. amen. We are all sinners. And, if, and, and the fact that we are born into this world a sinner, we are in need of a Savior. We need the great physician to touch our sin-sick soul and miraculously heal us so that we can get up and walk into His presence and live with Him forever in eternity. Hello? So we see the physical element of this man, but I think there's some spiritual application when we look into our own life and we see that we are spiritually sick as well. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse number 2, it says, Your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. What are our iniquities? Our iniquities are our sins. There's been a separation that's taken place between mankind and a holy God. And that separation is sin in our life. And the Bible says in Romans 3 and 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Listen, guys, regardless whatever you try, you can try to heal your sin-sick soul in whatever method you want to go out and try to do that. 
Maybe it's turn over a new leaf. Maybe it's try to be a better dad or a better husband. Maybe it's try to do better on the job, serve more in the community, join the church, take communion, be baptized. I want you to know you'll find yourself just like this sick man waddling and, and, and wavering in that muck and mire for all those years and never have healing come to your soul because there's only one way that you can be healed of a sin-sick soul and that is to trust Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It's not what I do. It's what He did on the cross. And the church said... So we see that he was a disabled man. Well, we also see something else about him. He was a desperate man. Where do we see that? I think we can see just the fact that he was lying there. Look in verse number 6. And Jesus saw him lying there. Jesus saw him. Why was he there? Because he desperately wanted to be healed. And he thought, this is the only way I can be healed physically is to get into this pool whenever the angel moves this water. Look, if you will, at the top or at the end of that verse in verse 6. And Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew he had already been there a long time. 38 years. Then the Scripture says a long time. This is a desperate man. He was doing everything he could to get into the water, just the very fact that he was even there. And then the third thing I want you to see, not only was he a disabled man and a desperate man, but I want you to look at verse number 7. This verse really jumped out at me. He was a disappointed man. You ever been disappointed? We all have, right? This man was a disappointed man. Look in verse 7. Sir, the sick man answered, and this was in reply to Jesus asking him, do you want to get well? Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming... Someone goes down ahead of me. Would you say that is a disappointed man? Don't you know he laid there and had great dreams and hopes of one day getting in that pool? Thinking, man, I tell you what, if I could position myself and, and I get right there when the angel comes, man, I, I, I've got these, this great hope and this, this dream that, that I'm going to get there. And, and I, I wonder, and the Bible doesn't say... We don't really know anything else about this guy other than this. But I wonder, I wonder about his family. I wonder about if he had any siblings or had any family members. Or, and he looks around and sees everybody else kind of living a happy life and doing their thing. And, and he can't. And all of his hopes and all of his dreams are shattered. And, and all of a sudden one day he sees the water starting to churn. And he realizes the angel is there. And the hope rises up in him. He says, maybe this is the day. And he does everything he can to pull himself over there to just get into the water. And then someone gets there before he does. That's what he told Jesus. Shatters his dream and his hope. And he goes back to the reality that I'm a disabled man. And I guess I'll stay in this condition. As I think about that and try to give some spiritual application to that, I think there's a lot of people in this life that live their life with these hopes and dreams of having a better family, of being a better husband, of being a better dad, of, of turning over a new leaf, of trying to make things better. I mean, it's done every December 31st about midnight with these New Year's resolutions. You know all that is? It's hopes and dreams of being a better person and a better individual and 
and oftentimes they're shattered. Why? Because you can't do it by yourself, right? You know, I, I, I can't be the husband that I need to be without the help of God in my life. I, matter of fact, I don't even know how to love without Jesus teaching me how to love, right? I mean, I don't even know how to provide. I don't even know what to do. I don't even, I don't even know how to live. But here this guy was. No doubt he was a disappointed guy trying time after time after time to get to the water, but someone would beat him there. Well, that's a little bit about the sick man. I want you to get a picture of him. The next thing I want you to get a picture of is the sympathetic Messiah. I want you to see Jesus. And I want you to pay attention, as I've already drawn your attention to, that in verse number 6, look what it says. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew... Jesus already knew everything there was to know about this guy. 38 years he'd been lying. Why did Jesus know that? How did Jesus know that? Because Jesus is the Son of God. Hello? Jesus is omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. He's omnipotent. Hello? means he is all-powerful. How could he do this? He's God. How did he know this? He's God. That's what John is wanting us to see here, okay? But I want you to see not only that, something else I want you to see is a word that we're going to be camping out here. I want you to see grace. I want you to see how Jesus extended grace to this man. Look at verse number 6. Don't jump over it. When Jesus saw, and, and I'm marking my Bible, and man, I, I write lines in it, and I highlight, and I'll draw a line up here and make a note. I mean, I'm just all over. My, now, this is a newer Bible, so it's not marked up as much as my old. Sometimes I get so marked up, I can't even read the Scripture anymore, and I put it aside and break out a new one and then start in that one. But if you circle in your Bibles or write in your Bibles or mark, I want you to circle the word Him. Jesus saw Who? Him. Say it with me. Jesus saw who? Him. Him. Everybody say it together. Jesus saw Him. Was he the only one laying there? Was there a large crowd in Jerusalem that day? But Jesus saw who? Mm. (laughs) You know what that is? It's a picture of grace. You see, sometimes you'll go through your life thinking, I don't even know if Jesus even knows who I am. I don't even know if he knows where I am. Sometimes I feel so all along in this thing, I don't even know if God cares. Sometimes I'm going through struggles, I don't even know if he is even aware, or even if he knows what I'm going through. Let me encourage you. Jesus knows what you're going through. He knows where you are. He knows who you are, right? Jesus, I want you to see how this sympathetic Messiah chooses this sinner. He reaches down to this man that had been laying there for 38 years. Many more there, but this one he ministers to. This one he touches. This one he stops and he speaks to. And I hope you can find encouragement there knowing that there's a God in heaven that loves you just as much as Jesus loves this man, that wants to minister to you just like Jesus ministered to this man. Just look to him. I promise you he is all you need. What a picture. Of Jesus in his work of salvation. 
Guys, do you realize that it's Jesus that passes by and knocks at your heart's door? Do you realize it's Jesus that passes by and lets you know that you are in need of a Savior? Don't you know it's Jesus that passes by and draws you unto Himself? It's Jesus that reaches out and loves you and calls you unto Himself. And then when we respond by faith, it is Jesus who comes into our life through the person of the Holy Spirit and gives us power to live and gives us wisdom and knowledge and understanding and strength and encouragement and insight. That's all Jesus. Not what I can muster up. Not what I can do. I believe that's the work of grace and grace alone. At the end of the day, when they asked this man, how are you walking? He didn't say, you know what? I overcame through the power of positive thinking. He didn't say, I put together a strategy and a plan. He didn't say, I'm a great organizer and manager and I put a team together and man, I, I, am, I am a great leader. He didn't say any of those things. You know what he said? He said, be honest with you, I really don't know, but there was a man that came by and told me to get up and I got up and I trusted him and I'm healed. And then later, that man came to this man and said, hey, go and sin no more. And he knew it was Jesus. Then he went back and he said, let me tell you why I'm walking today. There was a man called Jesus that passed by. I don't know about you, church, but aren't you glad there's a man called Jesus that passed by your way one day? You know, I know where I was headed. I was headed straight to a devil's hell. I mean, I was so full of pride. I was so stinking arrogant. I was so doggone cocky. My wife loved me. I don't know how through all of that, but... I was nasty. I really was. I was so... You know how you are at 19, 20, 21, 22 and kind of just full of yourself? We all have seen that. For all the 22-year-olds in here, that's none of you I'm talking about. You wouldn't do that. <laughs> but that was me. And it took God breaking me. And that's our whole story of how Debbie had cancer. But that's what it took for God to break me and for me to realize I can't do this by myself. And I tell you what, church, I am thankful that God passed by my way one day. I am thankful that Jesus knocked on my door and that he chose me, this sinner. The second thing he did, not only did he choose you, but he's caring for you. You see, Jesus knew everything about, in verse 6, he already knew and he knew everything about this guy, how long he'd been there, what was taking place. Jesus knew everything about him, and he cared for this guy. Matter of fact, the word Bethesda just simply means grace. It's kind of a place of grace, mercy that God was pouring out on them. Jesus knew this man was crippled. Jesus knew this man was not able to walk. Jesus knew this man was unable to stand and carry his bed, but Jesus ministered to him, and Jesus cared for him. The third thing we see about the Savior is that he's shown, I want you to get this picture, he has shown coming to the sinner. He came to this man. Jesus saw this man in verse 6. And Jesus has come to us as well in these three ways. I don't have time to preach these. But he's come to us as a sacrifice. He has come to us as our Savior. He has come to us as the sovereign God. I tell you, he's someone we all can trust today. Let me give you the third and final thing, and I'm going to be done. Not only do we see this sick man, not only do we see the sympathetic Messiah, but then we see this striking miracle that took place. 
Jesus asked him the latter part of verse 6, Do you want to get well, sir? The sick man replied, or answered, I don't have a man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. And verse number 8, Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Three things I want you to see here, and I don't even remember if I made a slide for them or not. But I want you to see three things here. And this is where the rubber meets the road. And these are my last three little things I want to bring out, and then I'm going to be done. So band, get ready. You don't have to come right yet, but get ready. Three things I want you to see. I want you to see, first of all, the offer. Look, if you will, in verse number six. Do I have it? Yeah, I have it. The offer, the order, and the outpouring. I want you, we're going to look at those three things real quick. What was the offer? Jesus asked him in verse number six a question. What did he ask? Do you want to get well? I find that interesting. Maybe this man would have probably, no, I enjoy laying here. Right? The point I want to make is Jesus is not going to push his will on you. That's what I want you to see here. He asked the man, do you want to get well? The man may have enjoyed misery. There's a lot of people that enjoy misery, right? There's a lot of people that just enjoy wallowing around in their muck and, and, and having a self-pity party and, and getting the attention of everybody. Oh, pray for me. I'm whoa, whoa, whoa. And everybody comes by and, oh, I can't understand why this is. Maybe, maybe he enjoyed living that way. Maybe there's some of you that enjoy living that way, Right? So Jesus is not going to come and push his will on you. He's not going to come and do something to you that you don't want done. So he asked this man, do you see that in the question? You got to see this. This man, why, It's almost a no-brainer. Of course, but maybe not. The point is, I just want you to see that, that Christ isn't going to kick the door of your heart down. He'll knock gently and he'll hope and pray that you'll open the door and allow him to come in. But it's going to be your choice, your decision. So that's the offer. The offer was, do you want to get well? Now, apparently the guy didn't know who he was talking to, but he, uh, and he tells us that later in the story. But then he replies back in verse 7, sir, and then he gives the excuse, I've been laying here, somebody gets in the water, I can't get there. Verse number 8, I want you to see the order. The offer, do you want to get well? God said, yeah, but I can't. And then Jesus said, I can fix that. And he gave him an order. What's the order? It's found in verse number 8. He gives him two words. He says what? Get up. <laughs> wow. Now, you've got to understand. This guy had been laying there for how long? 38 years. Had he ever gotten up? No. But here's a man that comes by and says, hey, you want to get well? Well, yeah, but I can't. He didn't know he was talking to at the time. And Jesus says, get up. Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. Now, I want you to notice in verse number 9, the first word, and I'm reading and study out of the Holman Christian Standard um, Bible, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. I want you to look at the next word in verse number 9. The Bible says, instantly. Everybody say instantly. instantly. Three months later, no. Getting all of his theology correct? No. He didn't even know who the guy was. I've already drawn that attention to you. Did this guy know anything about Jesus? 
No, he, he didn't know who this guy was. So my point is you don't have to wait till you understand everything there is to understand about the Word of God because if you're waiting till you understand, you will never understand because it is spiritually understood. Does that make sense? Did I say that right? Sometimes I say things and I don't know if I, they come out right. It's just the way the brain's going. Right? The Word of God spiritually understood. So don't wait till you understand everything there is to understand about the Word of God before you trust Christ as your Savior, before you obey Him by faith. Jesus gave him an offer. Do you want to get well? And then he gave him an order. And the order is get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And then instantly there was this outpouring of a completely transformed life. I mean, this guy is no longer crippled. This guy is no longer laying around waiting for somebody to minister to him. The next time we see this guy, he's out walking around in the crowd. He's enjoying the festival. Then Jesus comes up to him. I'm talking about instantly there was an outpouring of a miracle of God in his life. And friends, it's the same for you and for me, spiritually speaking. The offer is there. Jesus said, I love you so much, I'm willing to die for you on the cross. The Bible says that he hung there and he died and he was buried and he rose again victoriously the third day. And that's Easter. That's what we celebrate. And now he's ascended to, to the heaven and to God. And, and he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit convicts us and draws us and knocks on our heart's door. And he says, there's an offer for you to accept my son. God does. Accept my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as your Savior. He died for you on the cross. He, he bled on the cross. He, he suffered all of your shame and all of your pain and all of, everything that you deserve. He paid for it on the cross. The offer is there that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The offer is there. But you know what's lacking in a lot of folks? We're not obeying the order. We're not getting up and trusting God by faith. But the moment we do that, there's the outpouring of grace on our life and the moving of the Holy Spirit in our life and the conversion of a soul by faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ when we believe in him. Do you see that parallel? I want you to see that. So if you're here today, and Ben, if you will, please come on up and go ahead and play something as soon as you get here. If you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed and please no one moving around too much at this time. The band's coming. Let's, let's, do, let's be serious right now with just you and God. Just, just get along. Just, just you and God right now in your mind. I want you to think about where you are individually. I want you to think about your condition. I just want you to think about it. If you're here today and you have never trusted Christ as your personal Savior then you're just like this man, sick, sin sick, laying there with hopes and dreams of one day maybe getting better, maybe things will get fixed, maybe you're here today and there's, man, there's relational problems in your life and possibly even financial problems in your life and emotional problems, I mean, there's just so much going on and and you're trying, you got hopes and dreams that all get better one day and you're, you're trying your best, but guys, there's only one person that has the answer to all of that. And that person is Christ. That person is Jesus. And he's made an offer to you. And he said, will you come?
Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Behold, I stand in the door and knock. If any man would open his heart's door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. He asked this man if he wanted to be well. I believe he's asking you today, do you want me to be your Lord? Will you allow me to be your Savior? Will you allow me to heal your sin-sick soul today? And if you just simply say yes to Jesus, I want you to know that immediately there will be an outpouring of God's grace and mercy on your life. And the Holy Spirit will immediately begin to take up residence in your heart and in your life. But it only comes when you open your heart's door. When you look to Christ and you say, God, maybe there's someone that needs to pray this prayer after me silently right there in your seat. Just say, God, that's me. I'm that sick man or woman that he's been preaching about today. My spiritual life is not where it needs to be. Yes, I want to be well. Yes, I want to trust in Jesus as my Savior. And right now, I give you my life. I give you my sin-sick soul. I've tried everything on my own, and I can't do it. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for the sins of the entire world and mine as well, and that you were buried and you rose victoriously the third day. I believe that. I believe you're God's Son. Right now, I need a Savior, and I pray you'd forgive me as I repent of my sins and I turn from them. I obey the orders and I walk away from those sins and pray, God, you forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me a new creature in Christ Jesus. I give you my life today. Father, for that one that's prayed that prayer today, God, you know who they are. I pray right now that you would just overwhelm their soul with your love and with your grace your mercy give them assurance of their salvation help them God to know that they took the first step they've now picked up their mat and they're walking through the crowd and they're a born again believer and God yes you're going to come to them in days and weeks and months ahead and you're going to give them more instructions and how they're to live their life just as you did this man but for right now there's been a spiritual, miraculous miracle that has taken place when someone has been born again to the family of God. Father, my prayer is today that somebody prayed that prayer. My prayer is today that right now you're speaking to their hearts and encouraging them. Maybe there's been one here today that's needed to rededicate and recommit their life to you. My prayer is that they've done that this very hour. Father, we just commit this congregation, this church into your care. We pray that you'd be lifted up, that you'd be glorified. The next several Sundays as we unpack these portraits that John pins for us, help us to see Jesus and help us to see our need of him. In Christ's name we pray.
Thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois. 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.